Okay, chapter what, seven? to look for it first you know I did remove a lot of activities out of my schedule um, that was kind of I was bogged down with making podcasts and trying to save the whole world oh it's on page 98 98 okay let's go over uh, 98 thank you so it's the fair the first paragraph it is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. Mm. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And so when I'm, when I'm, when I'm working with another alcoholic, a, a, a person that hasn't worked the steps, because it doesn't matter if they're new or old, right? Mm -hmm. It's someone who hasn't had a, a, a connection with the higher power. We take over. We want we're, when we're doing that and not working any steps with them, and they're calling us for advice and what should I do? Then we're we're playing the role of, of God in their life. Okay. Right. Right. So now they're they're putting their dependence upon another human being. Mm. And when they relapse, who are they going to blame? Oh, my sponsor, or my sponsor never had time for me. Right. Well, I have to help you get connected spiritually. Guy shared yesterday in the meeting that, you know, he he his higher power is Jesus Christ and and um he shared about how working the steps helped him to to form a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. See, he would go to church and, and do the prayers and and go through the motions of of being in service and everything. But once he did his fourth and fifth step and learned some truth about himself and and started connecting spiritually, now he has a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we're able to help other people to form a relationship with their higher power, right? We know who our higher power is, but what I mean by that is you form a relationship with your higher power. So then when we get to the, the maintenance, what they call the maintenance steps, 10, 11, and 12, like my friend Carlos, I call him my friend. I, he's worked the steps. He did them within three months. Mm. Now, we had a conversation yesterday. I'm able to help him with his character defects. Not mm. tell him what you got to do, what you should do. I take him to the book, and I always I encourage him to pray and ask God. Because mm -hmm. now we have that relationship. But if we don't practice it and apply it, how are we going to hear from God if all we're doing is talking to other human beings? Yes, yes. 
you see mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. chapter five talks all, all about prayer and meditation and that doesn't talk a lot about meditation it mentions it once mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. already talks about it that, that should be our, our focus and so that's why it's important and vital to get through the fourth step as soon as possible because if we're just doing a bunch of meetings and and staying busy, that's five, great. Trying to be friendly and smiling all the time. That's great. A lot of work. That's that's great, but mm -hmm. it's it, it's even better after we've done the mm, step work. Right, and then the friendship kicks in. Because, hi. You know Anna, huh? Hi. Thank you. Hi. You're welcome. Thank you, babe. You're welcome. And so, like, for example. By now, we should have been done with this fourth step. I, I should be listening to your fifth step by now. Yes, yes, yes. Wrong. <clears throat> I, I noticed I was avoiding it because I was, oh, God. Well, once I started, it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And then if we go to chapter two. Yeah, sorry about that. Chapter two. Page 18. Okay. It's, it's right there. It says at the bottom, towards the bottom, but where they say italicized, mm -hmm. but the ex-problem drinker who has found a solution. Okay. So after working the steps, found the solution. The solution to my problems is a connection with my higher power. I've learned that I'm a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, man full of fear. Mm -hmm. Full of resentments. Right? I've learned this stuff about myself. So it says, who is properly armed with facts about himself. How do I become properly armed with facts about, about myself? By doing a fourth step. By doing a fifth step. Thoroughly and honestly as best as I, as I can. Mm -hmm. Not perfectly because like you said, you just shared with me. Things are going to crop up that I forgot. Mm -hmm. But by that time, I, I have a tenth step. Now I can give it to God. And I can discuss it with another human being. And instead of writing it down, now I can just talk to another human being one-on-one -on -one after I've shared it with God and asked God to remove it. Cropped up, okay, I need to make amends. It says we make amends now. We, we continue making amends. So that's where we learned that who is properly armed with facts about himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Mm -hmm. Until oh, such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. Wow. That the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty. I had the same difficulty. I cannot control and enjoy my drinking. I cannot... Mm. I cannot handle life successfully mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. We've had the same difficulties. That's why we're here in the same room of AA, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so, says that he obviously knows what he's talking about. I made, I made some amends. You know, I'm, I'm doing doing right by my family, by people that I've hurt. That his whole department, and I know what I'm talking about in regards to alcoholism. I know that it's a fatal malady. I know there's an obsession that that kicks in. It's a peculiar mental twist. I know that I'm beyond human aid. Mm -hmm. I've learned these things. 
that probably no human power could relieve my alcoholism, but God could and would if you were sought. I've learned the ABCs of alcoholism. And so it says that his whole department shouts at the new prospect, the, the person that's just coming in into the rooms, that he is a man with the real answer. And the real answer lies in the book. There's a solution. That's the title of, of the first chapter where step, you know, where recovery is involved because chapter one is Bill's story. Mm -hmm. And so it says that he has no ha attitude of holier than thou, right? That's what, when I work with others, we're on the same, we're, we're like this, on the same, le we're, we're here, side by side. It's not, I'm up here, you're down here. We're both two alcoholics working with another alcoholic where you're helping me, I'm helping you, right? We're Amen. both helping each other. Okay. Because you're helping me ensure my sobriety, immunity from drinking by spending time with me. So we're both helping each other. That's what Step Talk promises. It ensures immunity from drinking. Yeah. And so it says, nothing would ever accept a sincere desire to be helpful. That's it. The sincere desire to be helpful that there are no fees to pay, no access to grind, right? Hey, Fernando, I just drove from all the way over there and you know, gas is expensive now. Can you help me out with 10 bucks? No fees to pay, right? Mm -hmm. No access to grind. Fernando, what the fuck? Why, why didn't you finish with your fourth step already, bro? Like, nah, I'm not gonna lecture you. I'm not gonna, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. I'm gonna talk to you in a, in a genuine way, in a nice way, but I'm not gonna, Come on, you know, it's like, yeah, no yeah, access yeah, to grind, yeah, that, no people to please. That's, that's like, a, yeah. That you know, be... and, and the no people to please for me is like, yeah. I'm not gonna, not I'm not, I'm not looking for the applause, like right. go to the park meetings to see if Fernando's gonna say, oh yeah, Rudy's helping with the steps. No, it's not about that. Mm. It's not about the applause Lord, and, yeah. and all, you know, it, you know, it feels good when people acknowledge you, mm -hmm. but it, when it happens, it happens and that, thank, thank God for that. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. These are the conditions we have found most effective. And this is biblical right here too, if you think about it. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. Mm. You know, Jesus went up to Amen. take up your mat and walk or whatever. The awakening. And so, it's right there, you know. It's a... Uh... And, and, and the guy, I like what the guy shared yesterday in the book, book, book shop, workshop. He's like, a lot of people ask me, so you don't do any writing prior to the fourth step? And he's like, you know what? I do, we do do. I, when I work with others, I do, we do a lot of writing. We, we underline and we highlight. So we do use our, our pen and our highlighter, but we don't <laughs> do any, write, any writing assignments when we're reading the book. We have them underline and highlight stuff while we're reading together. That's it. And that's it, you know? It's like step two, go to, go to chapter four. Step two is right there. It's, it's in black and white. It's in page 47. 
doesn't tell us to write anything. It says we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. And it's actually a two-part question. Do I now believe? Mm -hmm. Or am I even willing to believe? Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe, maybe you're at least willing to believe mm -hmm. that there's a power greater than myself. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, it doesn't say he should start writing a five-page essay on what my higher power means to me, what I want my higher power to be. It doesn't say that. It says we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. Mm -hmm. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, that's it, this simple cornerstone, do I now believe? Am I even willing to believe? If you are, let's keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's do that third step prayer. You know, let's, let's do it. Now you, you're showing your faith with action by getting the pen and the paper in your fourth step and doing some writing. Mm. You say you, you, you're willing to believe, well, mm -hmm. prove it. Show, show it by, 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 by your actions. Actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. All right, God, you put this person in my path. I believe I'm gonna trust you. Let, let me spend time with you, help me. Help me remember my resentments and help me finish this. Let's do this. And that's right there. Has repeatedly been proven among us that upon a simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Which, uh, which others can walk through the, through the third. And so when reading chapter four with somebody there it is right there that's step two and then of course you continue reading and break it break down whatever you can with them mm -hmm. but as far as for the steps is concerned i always tell people it's like let's let's just continue reading till we so we can keep it going i highly recommend and suggest doing um big book meetings mm -hmm. I, I recommend those more than open participation meetings because yes. you're going to get more out of the program by doing book book uh, book studies and for, you'll learn more. First 165? So, so when you work with others. Yeah, for, stay in the first 165, right? Yeah. Amen. So, so uh, that's where it's at right there. All right, so. kid. Uh, I, I got it all. So... This, um, to illustrate, to go back, uh, we just continue to start from one and continue to read with the new guy. And as we go along for the first 164, you start... When, you, when, you, when you're working with the new guy, you read the doctor's opinion first. Okay, okay go over it again. Like, <clears throat> one, doctor opinion, two. Mm -hmm. and then then uh, page one. You, you can read Bill's story with them. Okay. Just go through it real quick. But then chapter two, that's where it starts. Okay. Chapter two, that's where it starts. Uh, I got most of that stuff underlined. I got to go through this so I can get it in, in me and then record it myself over again, the, uh, the steps, and act like a, and maybe have one person. In, uh, I don't have to do homework good, as you notice, right? 
all through life. Gotta get gotta get down to the to stopping and, and, and doing the work. It's not you'll be able you're gonna be able to help a lot of people because they look up to you too a lot of new people they look more for the time than for you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's a plus in your in, on your part you know especially somebody like that that doesn't have the the time but right like you were saying but as in this Someone new that's been in treatment centers, they teach them, get somebody with five years or two mm-hmm. years, right? So it's, they look for quantity instead of the quality, right? Right. And so with, so I, used, I, I did that when I first went to the Midnight Mission. I didn't know anything about it. How much time do you have? Oh, I have five years. Oh, can you be my sponsor? And then the other guy's on fire and pumped up. Oh, no, but he doesn't have that much time. Right, so it's not in. The, that's not not even in here. No, it's not. Doctor's you, opinion says that we must do likewise with still others right away. Right you know, away. Yeah, just yeah. like, and this is just a, a side note, biblically, right? The woman, the the Samaritan woman, she had an encounter, mm-hmm. right, right, with him, right. And then right after she had the encounter with him, she had a spiritual awakening as mm-hmm. a result. Of having an encounter with that higher power, right? With our higher right. power that we right. know, right? But once she had that spiritual awakening or experience, she went and she told the other people. Yeah. She went out and told the good news. So once we have a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps, we're gonna want to go share this news with other people. Amen. Amen. So yeah. it's similar, right? Right. So that that's that's what I'm saying. It's like. We, we get this by working the steps. That's not, for me, that's the real alcoholic. There's no middle of the road solution that talks about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Very vague. It says right here on page 34, it says, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Mm-hmm. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Beautiful, beautiful. Where's that at? Page 34. Yeah. And that's the pre-qualifier, right? Um, not... And you can usually tell by their beat up. There is power to choose he would drink or not. Bill Dawson reminds me of Bill Dawson's story. Uh, He was ready. And page on page 39 I have this highlight we, we just read this yesterday it's in the middle of the first paragraph it says but the actual or potential alcoholic so the actual alcoholic the real alcoholic and then there's a potential alcoholic there's different types of alcoholics mm-hmm. 
There's all kinds of types. But at the end of the day, if you're an alcoholic, it's imperative to work the steps. It'll help you to help others as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what's, that's the basis. It's, 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 it's a better way of living, to have a spiritual connection with the higher power. So it says the actual or potential alcoholic. Mm-hmm. See, the moderate drinker might be a potential alcoholic. He's not, not as bad. He can stop or moderate, and the, the fellowship is, is, uh, is filled with moderate, hard drinkers, and real alcoholics. And so that's why it gets the message gets mixed up because there's people that were moderate drinkers. They joined AA. They wanted to stop drinking. They never worked the steps. They just got they got involved in the fellowship and they stayed sober. But the real alcoholic, his life is in danger. Mm. And it says, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self knowledge. Beautiful, beautiful. We, we're, I'm unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. I've tried that. Yes, yes. Says yes. this is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers, and as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Mm. And death for death, witnessing death. Let us and then let us take another illustration. So then, their brains have and bodies have not been damaged as ours. Mm-hmm. You know, I seem to uh, come alive more with a real alcoholic than working with others. You know, they're with moderate and social drinkers. They come around, but it's just more. They're, but, my, they're my friends. They're better friends. Right. Real alcoholics. And, and 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 like Fred, you know, Fred had everything. He had it made. Fred's story. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. It's the first the first part of it right there. It says, Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home. Good income, fine home. He's happily married. Happily married. Mm-hmm. And the father of promising children of college age. This guy had it going on. Mm-hmm. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. Mm-hmm. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. But he's an, he has an alcohol, alcoholic problem. He's an alcoholic. To all appearances, he is stable, well-balanced individual. Yet, he is alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Maybe he he wasn't the real deal, but he's a potential for that because it goes on to, you know, talk about how he relapsed. He made up his mind to quit altogether. But then it goes on to say he was doing fine. He stayed sober. And on the bottom of page 40, it says... The last sentence of, of before the, the last paragraph, it says, I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would all be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Mm-hmm. In this frame of mind, I went about my business and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder. Why? Because his business 
came first. So now he put his business in front of everything, was focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He thought that he could do it mm-hmm. without God on his own willpower. And he said he began to wonder. Mm-hmm. Boom, the thought. Why? Because it centers in our mind. Alcoholism centers in our mind, not in our in our body. It centers in the mind. Amen. So it says, I began to wonder. Boom. That's where it starts for him. Began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. But one day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. He was just dry. He wasn't spiritually connected. He was just dry, a dry drunk, like they say in the rooms, right? Mm -hmm. So there was nothing new about that. I mean, he'd been able to push the drinks aside, say no thank you. Uh, We're on the top up there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you. Uh Uh, Page 41. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. Everything was going good. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. And because he began to wonder, right? So this was already way before this happened. It says, I began to wonder if I had not been making too hard of a simple matter. So he's already wondering all this a day before this, that he relapsed. Right? Right. So now it says, I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. He's His mind's already already in motion of wondering, man, maybe I'm not like all these people. I mean, I've been sober for, I don't know, maybe six, nine months. And I haven't, you know, had, had thoughts of drinking. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. So mm-hmm. now look at as I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought, again, it comes to our mind. The thought came to mind. So it starts with a thought. Mm-hmm. That it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. Mm-hmm. Nothing more. So that's it, he relapsed. We're just going to skim through this, but... The next paragraph says, as soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Because now he's having this taxi cab, cab driver drive him all over for days, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes, and that, yes. We read that right there. It says, not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. He didn't fight it. He thought about it. Mm-hmm. This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. He didn't even think of the consequences. He thought it would be nice to have a drink. He thought, maybe I'm not like these people. But wow. he didn't think about the consequences that it, what happened before in his, uh, when he was drinking, you know, ending up at the hospital or whatever. Now he's thinking, well, I'm, a, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. And it says, I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. Like if there was soda or water. And so if we go to page 43, the first paragraph, 
that starts the, the page. It says, Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. So that's another type of alcoholic. Fred is a, a in a Fred's another type of alcoholic. They're they're sharing different stories, like Jim's story is another mm -hmm. alcoholic. So there are all types of alcoholics, but we all it's for identification. Because some of us are not skid row bums. Mm -hmm. Some of us had or I still have nice houses, a beautiful wife. We have all that together, but we have alcoholic problems. So that's what it says. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. That that type of alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it goes on to say he had felt only the first nip of the ringer. He didn't end up on Skid Row. He didn't end up in jail or prison. But he ended up in the hospital. He he felt only the first nip of the ringer. He was he was if he kept going, he'd eventually probably end up on Skid Row. Most alcoholics have to be pretty pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Most of us have to be pretty messed up before we finally start to to solve our problems. Amen. And then the last paragraph right there, that's also the ABCs in a different in a different form mm -hmm. of, uh, of what chapter 5 says, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, uh, that probably no human part could have relieved our alcoholism and see that God could and would have been sought. So it says, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense, right? Mm -hmm. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could relieve my alcoholism. So it says, his defense must mm -hmm. come from a higher power. It must come from, from a higher power, who I choose to call God, you know? So it's right there in the book. It's his defense. It doesn't say his defense must come from a sponsor. Mm. His defense must come from an old timer. His defense mm -hmm. must come from a drug and alcohol counselor. Mm. His defense must come from the fellowship. His defense must come from a bunch of meetings. My defense from drinking must come from a higher power. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm trying to to help you understand that we, when we're helping, working with another alcoholic, we need to let them know your defense doesn't come from me, bro. Mm -hmm. it's, it has to come from a higher power. So I got to get you, not, not not necessarily you, Fernando. I'm just speaking in general. Yeah, when I'm yeah. working with somebody, I need to get, my job is to get you connected spiritually because I'm just another alcoholic. It's beautiful. I'm another human being just like you with yeah, imperfections yeah. and flaws. So I need him just as much as you. I, I want you to know that you need him as well. Beautiful. He's yeah, the one yeah. that's helping He's us. He's in charge, not me. He uses us once we get connected to help others to bring them to him. That's it. So it's right there. His defense, my defense, your defense must come from a higher power. Amen. And so when working with a new man or woman... Our job is to lead them to the water. Mm -hmm. I'm just using a 
yeah, yes, metaphor, yes, but yes. lead them to the living waters, right? Amen. Lead That's them to the creator. Our, our primary... Uh, uh, um, because if I'm spending too much time helping them, uh, helping them try to uh, be a counselor to them, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, well, my sponsor told me to do this. My sponsor told me to do that. But wait a minute. What did, what did God tell you? Mm -hmm. So that's why we got to get through the fourth and fifth step as soon as we can. Because okay. we're, we're getting connected spiritually. Through that, doing that, it's the only hope that's going to keep them from the from yeah, the drink, and from we're the just drink. bring bring um and stringing it, them along and saying, "Oh, it's okay, babying them. Oh, it's okay. Take your time with your four step. I'm here whenever you need me." Then like they're going to be depending on me. I got one like a hanging in there. Right they're going to be depending on you, Fernando. Like, they hey, Fernando. Too. Hey, Fernando. My my girlfriend this and my baby mama that and uh, the us. The answers are in the doing the fourth and fifth step and getting connected spiritually. So that's what I'm trying to encourage you. Yes, sir. So if you like if you do if you do it right in a timely manner, mm -hmm. then you can let them know I'm not telling you nothing that I haven't done myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? You're yeah. gonna be able yeah. to tell the new man or woman that you're working with. I'm not telling you nothing that I haven't done. I struggled with it too, but I pushed along once my sponsor spoke to me. We had this little talk, and I just kept it going. Yes, sir. So I'm just trying to help. Now, and then you'll be able to help them because you've experienced that too. You've been like kind of sitting on your four-step as they say it, right? Right, right, right. But after we have this little talk, hopefully it'll encourage you to just keep it going because... Then you won't have no excuses when you work with another person. Like, nah, you know, once we had that talk, that was it. I, I kept it going. And so mm -hmm, that's, now mm -hmm, I'm talking mm -hmm. to you the same way because I see the, the importance of getting through this in a timely manner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. You know? So that's why it's important for us to do it. So when we help somebody, it's not, we're not telling nothing that we haven't done ourselves. And it's on page 63 in the last, the first sentence all the way on the bottom. I mean, I, I would encourage you to take that to heart. That's right after step three. It doesn't say um, later or up in a few weeks, in a few days. It's right after doing the third step. Next, we launch on a course of vigorous action. So, right after the third step, prayer. Mm -hmm. Remember, like what we did together. I, okay. you had your notebook, and I showed you how to, how to start your resentment list. It says next, not later in a few days. Next is right away. Amen. We launched. In other words, we got on the boat, and that's all we did. And then it doesn't say we went on cruise control. <laughs> right now, uh, Carlos, Fernando, it seems like you've been on cruise control. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm just showing you in the book. I'm not trying. I'm making nothing up right here. Right. Nothing that I made in made, making up or made up. It says it's right here in black and white. They they didn't put next we we drifted next we took our time. Mm-hmm. We launched out. Amen. The more on a course of vigorous action. Vigorous action. That's on bottom of sixty-three. That should be stamped on my forehead. The first step, which is a personal house cleaning, and we read this. Uh-huh. Sometimes we forget what we read, and so it's good to read it over because it says which many of us have never attempted. A lot of people have never done a four-step, and some haven't come back. They know what they got to do. It says, though our decision, the third step, was vital and crucial. That's cool. You made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, right? I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Mm -hmm. But there's, I got to do some, if I I did that, I got to show it by, by works. Faith without works is dead. Oh, I gave my will and my life over to the care of God, and I'm doing all this other stuff. But it says it could have little permanent effect unless at once. Mm-hmm. At once. Not, again, not whenever I felt like it or when I have time. Mm-hmm. Follow? At once. Fernando? Unless at once, not when I have time, not when I, when I find some quiet, peaceful time. No, at once. Followed, followed by a strenuous effort. Am I doing this strenuously? Am I on a vigorous course of action? Mm-hmm, or am I, mm-hmm. am I making all these excuses for why I'm taking so long, right? Right, right, right. It says strenuous effort strenuous to effort. face some of us we don't like to face this stuff so we make all these different mm-hmm, excuses mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. alibis why it's so hard for me to get it done right, I didn't know Bill, right, Will, right. Bill Wilson would have been like oh I can because the nurse keeps coming in he was in the hospital and he was doing this four step Towns Hospital oh I, I don't have time because they keep doing checking my IV they keep coming in here and I, 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 I can't. I, I'll wait till I get out of the hospital. Right, right. Imagine right. if he would have waited. Yeah, no. He probably he would. wouldn't be here today. He probably would have got drunk again. Yeah, this would not happen. He for did us. his four step while he was in the hospital. He, he, he did. You know, he started his steps right there, and so that's another a good example. It's like he he wanted to do this, and he 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 did it. So mm-hmm. it's up to us. Am I willing to do this? Am I willing to go to any lengths to recover? Or, you know, it's, it's just up to me. It's my, my question to answer. And so it says, the things in ourselves which have been blocking us, our liquor was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Amen. We had to get down. Okay, get ready there. That's a good one, too. We had to get down causing conditions because our lives are at stake at And the people's lives are at stake at it, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a, a lady that was, she was asking me, she come out of jail, she 58. Are you gonna come to the next meeting? You know what that says. You know, in other words, I want I want, I want you to teach me this thing, that's what she was saying. And I was, I go, no, I won't be coming to the new meeting. And I kind of avoided her, you know, we're not supposed to work. And uh, about three weeks later, she burned herself with, um, killed herself. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the park, the lighter fluid. Oh, wow. Uh, and everybody was. And I thought I thought to myself, you know, that she, she, uh, we can get together as the two couples, man, and just get friendly with them and, and start doing this thing. Uh, Had something to give, some value to give them. Could have been a chance there to be around today. Yeah. You know, because... Nothing wrong with working with the, the opposite sex. Right. right. Your mo your motives. It's the motives. Motives behind right. it. I have a sincere desire to be helpful. I don't care what anybody says. Excuse my language, but I don't give a fuck what he says, she says about me sitting down with a woman, mm -hmm. taking her through the book. Beautiful. If 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 you if you see something wrong with it mm -hmm. and, and right not you I'm just saying right yeah for example yeah. if she over there that lady with 20 plus years sees some a problem with me working with this woman then why doesn't she offer to help her right right where you, you see at? what I mean yeah and when they first the, the first women got sober there was no other women sober to help the first women Beautiful. so who helped them Bill Wilson and the other guys yeah. helped the first women that recovered then the other women helped the other women. But when the very first women recovered, That's right. they weren't taken through the steps by another woman because there was no other. There had to be one woman, the first women, to to be taken. You know, you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the, the stories, too. A countless, I came in, I was the only woman. And then the group took her in, you know, and then they started working with them. So... so and we got a lot of Al-Anon ladies, too, that the guy, guys are their sponsors. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you have a, if you're connected spiritually with God, mm -hmm. and you know, like, like my, my, I, I read, I read with the girl last, the beginning of this, no, was it this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the beginning of the year, I think, I'm not sure. I met her on Zoom, and I told her straight out what my, spon my sponsor told me, like, by all means, help her. She says there's no women are, are are available to help her. She's reaching out on Zoom on the message board. They need help too. Like right now, like, I got a sponsor. And that's... let them know, look. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna read with. I, 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 I would. I love to help you. Whatever. Um, all we're gonna do is strictly step work. There's not gonna be no flirting. No. No, no sexual talk. No, nothing. No the, my only motive, well. my, you know, my goal is to help you with this. And if 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 by the time you're done with your fourth step, you you feel comfortable with the woman, by all means, I highly suggest you ask her to help you, so you could do your fifth step with her. And if and if you find a woman when you were done with, when you're gonna do your fifth step that you would like to do your fifth step with, you don't have to do it with me. The book talks about you find a clues, my friend. And then once you're done with your fifth step, get back to me and we can keep moving along with the steps. Right. So you're not really doing anything 
but the helping her with her four step and she's not gonna beautiful. share her fifth step with you. She's I, gonna find another person. I got you stuck you in highly that recommend. With hey, would step. you like to do your fifth step with this woman or yeah, you, yeah. You, I you, recommend this lady right here. She's got Yeah, she's I don't not, I don't have to be there. It's between you and another human exactly. being and God. I I did that. I send her off to someone else and she you know, the lady's got about six years now and that's exactly what happened. I send her off. I don't want to hear it. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're sick stuff. Um, so are you are you done with your fourth call? Or you're done with your? No. You're not. You're not done. Okay. I'm not done. It's not thoroughly. It's too too much chicken scratch. All right. Uh, how about um, what's as soon as we can do? Mm. One more chance. I'd like to ask you for one more day. <laughs> about, I'll, I'll just give you a few days. How about Monday? Okay, okay. Um, is that your day off? You, you... Um, Monday is my day off, but I'm going to be going to Vegas tomorrow. Okay. For, my, uh, for Easter weekend, I'm going to go to church over there with my brother. Beautiful, beautiful. I, got, I go to Vegas a lot with the grandkids. And I go to the... Uh, to the Serenity Hall. Oh, yeah, I've been yeah. there. Yeah. With the rock outside? Yeah. 5.30 in the morning, I've like been there. Like next to like a shopping center? Yeah, a little Chinese thing. Yeah, yeah, the Chinese thing. thing. There you go. I, I went there. That they have a, like a little shop when you walk in. Yeah, that was amazing. Open 24 hours a day. It was historical. 140 yeah. meetings a week. I, I went L1, there. Last time. I've, been, I've been there three times this, this sobriety because my brother moved out there last year to Henderson. Nice, nice. Henderson is a nice place. I got a nephew there too. You know, these guys are not alcoholic. They don't, they don't, they don't gamble or drink. Imagine what a beautiful thing. Yep. So let before we go, let me, let's go to sixty-seven. Okay. The last paragraph. This is gonna be your next, your next assignment once you're done with, with your inventory. Okay. Amen. But um, we're just gonna read on it. You wanna read? Okay, sixty-seven. We avoid. No notice. The last paragraph. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside difficulties with Mr. Brown. Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife, this short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It, would, it was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve deserve but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing it seems to cause more trouble we review our fears thoroughly we put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them so Mm -hmm. Right there, there's another writing assignment. Some people say it's a fifth column. It doesn't matter. It really that doesn't really need to be up for debate mm -hmm. as long as we do it. Mm -hmm. What I've been taught is just it's a fear's inventory. It's its own inventory. Mm -hmm. You know, other people do it as a fifth column. I just I always just do it right down the top of the page. Fears. And make a list of your fears. Okay. This says we, we we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, right? We write them down, but that's it. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them, but we, we this is the work we do ourselves. We don't write anything out. It says we asked ourselves. It says it doesn't say we wrote it down. 
So we ask ourselves why we had them. And why am I, why do I have this fear, right? So we do that with God. We ask ourselves why we had them. But then the answer is right there too. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us had once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. And you see that in the fellowship too. People, we run out, we still get in fear, but we we get cocky about it. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody takes my seat, right? I'm mm -hmm. just giving an example. I'm not saying I do, I do it. I've done it before, but I I, I don't I don't do it now. But mm -hmm. before, even at, at you see still see it. Somebody takes somebody's seat. Hey, that's my seat, bro. Really? Right. <laughs> Why? There's Why? fear. Oh, because if I don't speak out, are the people are gonna think I'm a punk? Right, so it makes us cocky, it's worse. Mm -hmm. Now I got problems with this guy. Right, right. And so it says, perhaps there's a better way. So this is a fear solution. For we are now, that's what, what I call it. Because it says, for now we are on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. So this is where we put our faith into action. Again, I like to be passive aggressive, Fernando. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people want to put that a lot of emphasis on their sponsor, their sponsor, okay, yeah. right? Their sponsor this, their sponsor that. But right here is saying the basis of trusting and relying upon my sponsor. Doesn't say that. Are you there? Right. Basis of trusting, relying upon God. Amen. We trust infinite. So God. that's what my 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 goal with the newcomer is to let them help them. Get connected, cause I don't want I don't want no applause. Oh, my sponsor helps me help me go to school. My sponsor this. My, I just want to help you, give him glory. Amen. That's it. Amen. Beautiful. I want you to to be able to give thanks to God. Oh, I thank God for Rudy helping me with the steps. That's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. But been... don't help. Don't, I, I don't want no other. You know, no, 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 no applause in in other yeah. ways because. All I want to do is help you to trust and rely upon God. Because I might fail you. You might hear me say something that doesn't align with what you look up to me as. Oh, Rudy said that? I can't believe that. Or oh, Rudy was flirting with that girl? Oh, my God. He's, And at the end of the day, when you're connected, like, yeah, he's a human. Mm -hmm. He's not perfect. Amen. Maybe I could talk to him. Hey, Rudy, what's up with that? You're, I seen you flirting with that girl. Yeah, man, I messed. You know, I got caught up with her, and I shouldn't have been doing that. You know, I gotta check myself because we check ourselves. We're not human, right? Spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. And so that's why it's important to have the newcomer trust and rely upon God with action. So it says we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves, right? We're finite. We're gonna die, and we live on, of course, our soul, but. It says we are in the world to play the, the role he assigns. Mm -hmm. If he assigns me to be helping other alcoholics, then that's what I'm going to do. To be a worker among workers at my job, then that's what I'm going to do. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us. And humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? This is the fear solution right here. 
We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. It doesn't say they trust their sponsors. See, I like to throw that in there because a lot of people that don't work any steps but just have that sponsor that they call every day and check in with every day but never open this damn book and work any steps. They take your time. No, we're not. We're, we're, we still have that untreated alcoholism mm -hmm. because we're dependent upon another human being to carry us through this sobriety. And so that's what my, 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 my goal is to help somebody get connected spiritually. Amen. Take them through this in a timely manner so they can have, help, be able to turn around and help another alcoholic Amen. instead of being stuck in that rut of, oh, I'm not, not you, Fernando, but others that like I hear, like, I'm still on my fourth step. I have nine months. I have a year. I'm still on my fourth step. I've been on my fourth step for three months, for five months. But if I would have been done with my fourth step and, and trusted God, I'd be able to turn around because now I've done some amends. I'm doing my step 10 daily. I'm connecting daily. Step 11 is prayer, right? Prayer meditation is just a tool that we have now. And step 12 is turning around and helping another alcoholic. But I can't do that because I'm still here. On step four, caught up in self and mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. Of, of getting getting through this and i'm not saying you i'm just saying in general we yeah, hear it a lot yeah. and so it says they trust their god we never apologize for god instead we let him demonstrate through us so once i'm doing this i'm gonna let him demonstrate through me what he can do mm. that's the beauty of it beautiful it's beautiful if i let him demonstrate through me what he can do and so if i have fears right or i I don't know if, if this guy's gonna let me, let me help him with the steps. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if he does or doesn't. Mm -hmm. What matters mm -hmm. is if I get mm -hmm. out of the fear and go ask, hey, how you doing on your step work? Or are, are you working the steps? Would you like to work the steps? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if he says yes, cool. If he says no, I have a sponsor. Hey, I'm just grateful to be in the position to be helpful rather than I can't help nobody with the steps. I haven't even done the steps myself. Right? All right. So even if somebody says no, I thank God that I'm in the position to be of service in that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, when yes. you does come in and he hears the share about this guy doing the steps, then maybe it, it, it registers and maybe later on he'll be like, hey, can you help me out? That, that being in that position of usefulness now i'm we're useful it says it says um we ask him to remove our fear so i have to ask god daily remove my fear you know it's you not me mm -hmm. use me mm -hmm. remove my fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be at once we commence we begin we start to outgrow fear so that's the fears inventory Beautiful. Then the yeah. next one is the sex inventory. Oh, we're not there yet. We're still on our examining inventory. And what about harms? What do you mean? Harms done others. Oh, we'll read about that later. That's right okay. there too. But we're not even done with the examining inventory, Fernando. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, well, I don't. I don't like the way it's it's, it's it's laid out. I got to do it properly. Throw all this front stuff away. My thoughts. Remember, hey, hey, just. I would highly recommend suggest just leave it the way it is and just finish, because you're gonna read it out loud anyways. Okay. All right. Remember, it's not a homework assignment. I'm not gonna grade you on how you wrote. The stuff or... that seems to be coming out is harm others. Hi, Danielle. Good morning. Good morning. Where you? Okay. Just. See, like right here, I started going more simplified. Fears, fears, dishonest. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to expound. I got better at at uh. Okay. Bringing it over. Ah, huh. It's going to get hot. I know your day. I know. It's, it's coming. I'm looking for a good day today. It's a beautiful day today. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Take care. See ya. She's in the program. We thought about maybe later on we'll think about getting a workshop going once a month. Okay. I do one on Wednesdays. It's for the whole year. We're going to be on Chapter 3, I think. Over there at the 502? No, on Zoom. Oh. There's a lot of people on there. Really? Like hundreds, yeah. Oh. On Wednesdays. Wednesday evening? 7.30 to 9 p.m. It's called the uh, Fledgling, Fledgling Society Big Book Workshop. And they zero in on the fort? They're doing everything, all the steps. Oh, like right now, we're on chapter three. Then I guess when they get to step four and five, like I don't know how they're gonna do it, but it's the whole year we start. They started with the the forward to the first edition, and then Doctor's Opinion, Bill's Story. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, right here. Page page the bottom of page forty-two. I love this. We read this yesterday. Mm -hmm. It says quite as important. 42, not 42, 42, yeah. 42 on the bottom. Quite as important. Was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all mm. my problems. Quite as important. Not just my drinking problem. Not just my uh, drug addiction problem. Wow. All my problems. So, and again, that's why I like the book and mm. I like to help the newcomer realize that I'm not going to help you solve all your problems. Some people want that sponsor yeah. that helps them solve. Pay my uh, bill. They're another human being. Pay my phone bill. It says spiritual principles will solve all my problems. Spiritual principles. Mm -hmm. Being connected and having a God. As I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying. And I hope I love this and this these two words more useful more useful than the life I lived before that's beautiful I want to be I, I want to be continue to be more useful in this life I was not useful before I was doing my own thing 
doing drugs, mm-hmm. lost out there. Now I'm more useful. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. So more being more useful. Oh man, it's getting too hot out here. Yeah, I'm super starting to get that too much vitamin D. Huh? Yeah. So yeah, Fernando. Well, thank you. I appreciate your, uh, this time you have So spent. just get, yeah, if you want to fix it up, just, um, no more, um, again, just, yeah, I'm, but no put more it beating around the, the bush, no more BSing. The, put it on the front burner. No um, more, you know, no more excuses. If you want to fix it up, you have, for today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So Monday we can meet on Zoom before you go to bed okay. and, and talk real quick. Uh, and my next day off, I'll come over again. And um, like I said, man, this you believe in you believe in God and you have that relationship with Him. Invite Him and, I, I, and ask Him to give you that time. Like, you no, know, I want to spend time with you and do this. You sent Rudy Amen. my way. Amen. I I I felt. I felt your spirit tugging at my heart to ask him for help. However, you, I don't know however you see it, but you know I I, I see things as divine intervention. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I did I did pray and I was asking God. I said the gospel is in here. Mm-hmm. You know, to help somebody, it's you know simple simple solutions drive them home. Mm-hmm. You know, God, it's God or God is everything or He's nothing. Yeah, and it's all there in chapter four too about that. Very good. I got I got a pay for you. <laughs> you're... I'll take it home and warm it up. <laughs> I think it's still Thanks, warm. I appreciate yeah, it. You're welcome. Yeah, I'll take it like that. Yeah. All, All right, right Fernando. All right, brother. Thank you very much. We, uh, we did it. God's yeah. will. Yeah, so Monday. Monday. No more, no more. No oh, more. I had to make coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take your report. I'll take your report. Yeah, I got to go take coffee now.
The Big Book, Our Southern Friend. This is part two, part one. This is part one. This is a fourth story um, from the Big Book by Bill Wilson. Our Southern Friend, Pioneer Alcoholic Anonymous Minister's Son, a Southern Farmer, he asked, Who am I to say there is no God? Father is an Episcopal minister, and his work takes him over long drives on bad roads. His parishioners are limited in number, but his friends are many, for to him race, creed, or social position makes no difference. It is not long before he drives up in the buggy. Both he and old Maud are glad to get home. The drive was long and cold, but he was thankful for the hot bricks that some thoughtful person had given him for his feet. Soon supper is on table. Father says grace, which delays my attack on the buckwheat, cakes, and sausage. Bedtime comes. I climb to my room in the attic. It is cold, so there is no delay. I crawl under a pile of blankets and blow out the candle. The wind is rising and owls around the house. But I am safe and warm. I fall into a dreamless sleep. I'm in a church. Father is delivering his sermon. A wasp is crawling up back of the lady in front of me. I wonder if it will reach her neck. Shucks. It has flown away at last. The message has been delivered. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. I hunt for my nickel to drop in a plate so that mine will be seen. I am in another fellow's room at college. Freshman said he to me, Do you ever take a drink? I hesitated. Father had never directly spoken to me about drinking, but he never drank any. So far as I knew, mother hated liquor and feared a drunken man. Her brother had been a drinker and had died in a state hospital for the insane. But his lie was unmentioned. So far as I was concerned, I had never had a drink. But I had seen enough merriment in the boys who were drinking to be interested. I would never be like the village drunkard at home. Well, said the older boy, do you? Once in a while I lied. I could not let him think I was a sissy. He poured out two drinks. Here's looking at you, he said, hey. I gulped him down and choked. I didn't think I liked it, but I would not say a mellow glow stole over me. This wasn't so bad after all. Sure, I'd had another. The glow increased. Other boys came in. My tongue loosened. Everyone laughed loudly. I was witty. I had no inferiorities. Why? I wasn't even ashamed of my skinny legs. This was the real thing. I haste filled the room. The electric light began to move. Then two bulbs appeared. The faces of the other boys drew dim. How sick I felt. I staggered to the bathroom. Shouldn't have been drunk so much or so fast, but I knew how to handle it now. I drank like a gentleman after this. And so I met John Barleycorn, the grand fellow who at my call made me a hail fellow well met, who gave me such a fine voice as we sang hail, 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 the gang's all here, and sweet Adeline, who gave me that freedom from fear and feelings of inferiority. Good old John, he was my pal, all right. 
Final exams of my senior year, I may somehow graduate. I would never have tried, but mother counts on it, so. A case of uh, measles saved me from being kicked out during the sophomore year. But the end is in sight. My last exam and an easy one. I gaze at the board with its questions. Can't remember the answer to the first. I'll try the second. No soap there. I don't seem to remember anything. I concentrate on one of the questions. I don't seem to be able to keep my mind on what I'm doing. I get uneasy. If I don't get started soon, I won't have time to finish. No use. I can't think. I leave the room with which the honor systems allows. I go to my room. I pour out half a tumbler of grain alcohol. Fill it with ginger ale. Now back to the exam, my pen moves rapidly. I know enough of the answers to get by. Good old John Barleycorn. He can de be dependent on. What a wonderful power he has over the mind. He has given me my diploma. Underweight? How I hate that word. Three attempts to enlist in the service and three failures because of my being skinny. True. I have recently recovered from pneumonia and have an alibi. But my friends are in the war or going, and I'm not. I visit a friend who is awaiting orders. The atmosphere of eat, drink, and be merry prevails and I absorb it. I drink a lot every night. I can hold a lot now, but more than the others. I am examined from the draft and pass the physical exam. I am to go to the camp on November 13th. The armistice is signed on the 11th, and the draft is called off. Never in the service. The war leaves me with a pair of blankets, toilet kit, a sweeter knit by my sister, and still greater sense of inferiority. It is 10 o'clock of a Saturday night. I am working hard on the books of a subsidiary company of a large corporation. I have had experience in selling and collecting and in accounting, and I'm on my way up the ladder. Then the crack up caught and struck the skits and collections went cold. A $23 million surplus wiped out. Offices closed up and workers discharged. I and the books of my division have been transferred to the head office. I have no assistance and I'm working nights, Saturdays and Sundays. My salary has been cut. My wife and you maybe are fortunately staying with relatives. I feel exhausted. The doctor has told me that if I don't give up inside work, I'll have tuberculosis. But what am I to do? I have a family to support. I have no time to be looking for another job. I reach for the bottle that I just go, got from George, the elevator boy. I am traveling salesman. The day is over and business had been not so good. I'll go to bed. I wish I were home with a family and not in this dingy hotel. Well, 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 look who's here. Good old Charlie. It's great to see him. How's the boy? A drink? You bet your life. We buy a gallon of corn because it is cheap. Yes, yet I am fairly steady when I go to bed. Morning comes. I feel horrible. A little drink will put me on my feet, but it takes others to keep me there. I become a teacher in a boys' school. I am happy in my work. I like the boys, and we have lots of fun in class and out. The doctor's bills are heavy, and the bank account is low. My wife's parents come to our, 
assistance. I am filled with hurt, pride, and self-pity. I seem to get no sympathy for my illness and have no appreciation of the love behind the gift. I'll call the bootlegger and fill up the charred keg. But I do not wait for the charred keg to work. I get drunk. My wife is extremely unhappy. Her father comes to sit with me. He never says an unkind word. He's a real friend, but I do not appreciate him. We're staying with my wife's father. Her mother is in critical condition at the hospital. I cannot sleep. I must get myself together. I sneak downstairs and get a bottle of whiskey from the cellaret. I pour drinks down my throat. Father-in-law appears. Have a drink, I ask. He makes no reply and hardly seems to see me. His wife dies that night. Mother has been dying of cancer for a long time. She is near the end now and is in the hospital. I have been drinking a lot but never get drunk. Mother must never know. I see her about to go. I return to the hotel where I'm staying and get gin from the bellboy. I drink and go to bed, take a few the next morning and go see my mother once more. I cannot stand it. I go back to the hotel and get more gin. I drink steadily. I come to at three in the morning. Indescribable torture has me again. I turn on light. I must get out of the room or I shall jump out of the window. I walk miles, no use. I go to the hospital where I have my made friends with the night superintendent. She puts me to bed and gives me a hypodermic. I am at the hospital to see my wife. We have another child. But she's not glad to see me. I have been drinking while the baby was arriving. Her father stays with her. It is a cold, bleak day in November. I have fought hard to stop drinking. Each battle has ended in a defeat. I tell my wife I cannot stop drinking. She begs me to go to a hospital for alcoholics. It has been recommended. I say I will go. She makes the arrangements, but I will not go. I'll do it all myself. This time I'm off. Moff it for good. I'll just take a few beers now and then. It is the last day of following October, a dark, rainy morning. I come to a pile of hay in a barn. I look for liquor and can't find any. I wander to a table and buy five bottles of beer. And drink five bottles of beer. I must get some liquor. Suddenly I feel hopeless, unable to go on. I go home. My wife is in the living room. She had looked for me last evening after I left the car and wandered off into the mine. She she had looked for me this morning. She has reached the end of her rope. There is no use trying anymore, for there is nothing to try. Don't say anything. I say to her, I am going to do something. I am in the hospital for alcoholics. I am an alcoholic. The insane asylum lies ahead. Could I have myself locked up at home? One more foolish idea, I might go out west on a ranch. Well, I couldn't get anything to drink. I might do that. Another foolish idea. I wish I was dead. As I have often wished before, I am too yellow to kill myself. For alcoholics, play bridge in a smoke-filled room. Anything to get my mind from myself. The game is over, and the other three leave. Start to clean up. The debris, one man comes back closing the door behind him. He looks at me. You think you're hopeless, don't you? He asks. I know it. 
I reply. Well, you're not, says the man. There are men on the streets of New York today who are worse than you, and they don't drink anymore. What are you doing here then? I ask. I went out of here nine days ago, saying that I was going to be honest. But I wasn't, he answers. Fanatic, I thought to myself, but I was polite. What is it? I inquired. Then he asked me if I believe in a power greater than myself. Whether I call that power God, Allah, Confucius, Prime Cause, Divine God, or any of the other name. I told him that I believe in electricity and other forces of nature. But as for God, if there is one, he has never done anything for me. And he asked me if I am willing to do the right, all the wrongs I have ever done to anyone. No matter how wrong I thought the others were. Am I willing to be honest with myself about myself and tell someone about myself? Am I willing to think of other people, of their needs instead of myself, in order to rid of the drink problem? I'll do anything, I reply. Then all of your troubles are over, says the man and leaves the room. The man is in bad mental shape, certainly. I pick up a book and try to read, but I cannot concentrate. I get in the bed and turn out the light, but I cannot sleep. Suddenly a thought comes, can all the worthwhile people I have known be wrong about God? Then I found myself thinking about myself. A few things that I had wanted to forget. I began to see I am not the person I had thought of myself, that I had judged myself by comparing myself to others, and always to my own advantage. It is the shock. Then comes a thought that is like a voice. Who are you to say there is no God? It rings in my head. I can't get rid of it. I get out of bed and go to the man's room. He is reading. I must ask you a question. I say to the man, How does prayer fit into this thing? Well, he answers, You probably tried praying like I have. When you've been in a jam, you've said, God, please do this or do that. And it, if it turned out your way, then it was the last of it. And if it didn't, you said, There isn't any God. And he doesn't do anything for me. Is that right? Yes, I replied. That isn't the way, he continued. The thing I, I do is to say, God, here I am, and here are all my troubles. I made a mess of things and can't do anything about it. You take me and all my troubles and do anything you want with me. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. I answer. I return to bed. It doesn't make sense. Suddenly, I feel a wave of utter hopelessness sweep over me. I am in the bottom of hell, and there a tremendous hope is born. It might be true. I tumble out of bed onto my knees. I know not what I say, but slowly a great peace comes to me. I feel lifted up. I believe in God. I crawl back into bed and sleep like a child. Some men and women come to visit my friend of night before. He invites me to meet them. They are a joyous crowd. I had never seen people that joyous. Before we talk, I tell them of the peace and that I believe in God. I think of my wife. I must write her. One girl suggests that I phone her. What a wonderful idea. My wife hears my voice and she knows that I have found the answer to life. She comes to New York. I get out of the hospital and we visit some of these new newfound friends. I am home again. I have lost the fellowship. Those who understand me are far away. 
The same old problems and worries still surround me. Members of my family annoy me. Nothing seems to be working out right. I am blue and unhappy. Maybe a drink I put on my head and dash off in the car. Get into the lives of other people is one thing the fellows in New York had said. I go to see a man I have been asked to visit and tell him my story. I feel much better. I have forgotten about a drink. I'm in a train headed for a city. I left my wife at home sick and I have been unkind to her in leaving. I am very unhappy. Maybe a few drinks when I get to the city will help. A great fear seizes me. I talk to a stranger in the seat beside me. The fear and the insane idea are taken away. Things are not going so well at home. I am learning that I cannot have my own way as I used to. I blame my wife and children. Anger possesses me, anger such as I have never felt before. I would not stand for it. I pick my bag and leave. I stay with some understanding friends. I see where I have been wrong in some respect. I do not feel angry anymore. I return home and say I'm sorry for my wrong. I am quiet again, but I have not seen yet that I should do some constructive acts of love without expecting any return. I shall learn this after some more explosions. I am blue again. I want to sell the place and move away. I want to get where I can find some alcoholics to help, where I can have some fellowship. A man calls me on the phone. Will I take a young fellow who has been drinking for two weeks to live with me? Soon I had had others who are alcoholics, some who have other problems. I begin to play God. I feel that I can fix them all. I do not fix anyone, but I am getting part of a tremendous education, and I have made some new friends. Nothing is right. Finances are in bad shape. I must find a way to make some money. The family seems to think of nothing but spending. People annoy me. I try to read. I try to pray. Gloom surrounds me. Why has God left me? I mope around the house. I will not go out and will not enter into anything. What does it matter? I cannot understand. I will not be the, that way. I'll get drunk. It is a cold-blooded idea. It is a premeditated fix-up and little apartment over the garage with books and drinking water. I am going to town to get some liquor and food. Shall not drink until I get back to the apartment. I shall lock myself in and read. As I read, I shall take little drinks at long intervals. I shall get myself mellow and stay that way. I get in the car and drive off. Halfway down the driveway, thought strikes my knee. I'll be honest anyway. I'll tell my wife what I'm going to do. I back up to the door and go into the house. I call my wife into the room where we can talk privately. I tell her quietly what I intend to do. She says nothing. She does not get excited. She maintains a perfect calm. When I am through speaking, the whole idea has become absurd. Not a trace of fear is in me. I laughed in the insanity of it. We talk of other things. Strength has come from weakness. I cannot see the cause of temptation now, but I am to learn later that it began with my desire for material success becoming greater than my interest in the welfare of my fellow men. I learned more than that foundation stone of character, which is honesty. I learned that we, that when we act upon the highest conception of honesty that is given us, our sense of honesty becomes more acute. 
I learned that honesty is truth and that truth shall make us free. It might have been worse. From the big book from Alcoholic Anonymous uh, by Bill Wilson. Alcohol was a looming cloud in the banker's bright sky. With rare foresight, he realized it could become a tornado. How can a person with a fine family, an attractive home, an excellent position, a high standing in an important city become an alcoholic? As I later found out through Alcoholic Anonymous, alcohol is no respecter of economic status, social, business standing, or intelligence. I was raised like the majority of American boys, coming from a modest family, circumstances, attending public schools, having the social life of a small Midwestern town with part-time work and some athletics. The ambition to succeed was instilled in me by my Scandinavian parents, who came to this country where opportunities were so great. Keep busy, always have something constructive to do. I did work of all kinds after school, during vacations, trying to find that which would appeal most of as a goal for life work. Then there was wartime service to interrupt my plans and education to be picked up after the war. After that came marriage, getting started in business and a family. The story is not very different from that of thousands of other young men in my generation. It shows nothing, no one to blame for alcoholism. The drive to get ahead to succeed kept me too busy for many years to have any great experience with my social life. I would have begrudged the time or money for alcohol. In fact, I was afraid to try it for fear that I would wind up like in many examples I had seen of excessive drinking in the army. I was intolerant of people who drank, particularly those who drank to an extent that interfered with their on-the-job performance. In time, I became an officer and director of one of the largest commercial banks in the country. I achieved recognized and national standing in my profession, as well as becoming a director of many important institutions having to do with civic life of a large city. I had a family to be proud of, actively sharing the responsibilities of good citizenship. My drinking did not start until after I was 35 and a fairly successful career had been established. But success brought increased social activities. And I realized that many of my friends enjoyed a social drink with no apparent harm to themselves or others. I disliked being different, so ultimately I began to join them occasionally. At first, it was just an occasional drink, and I looked forward for the weekend of golf. And 19th hole, the cocktail hour became a daily routine. Gradually, the quantity increased, and the occasions for a drink came more frequently. A hard day, worries and pressure, bad news, good news, there were more and more reasons for drink. Why did I want to increase increasingly greater quantities of alcohol? It was frightening that drink was being substituted for more and more things I really enjoyed doing. Golf, hunting and fishing were now merely excuses to drink excessively. I made promises to myself, my family and friends and broke them. Short dry spells ended in heavy drinking. 
I tried to hide my drinking by going places where I was unlikely to see anyone I knew. Hangovers and remorse were always with me. The next step were bottle hiding and excuses for trips in order to drink without restraint. Cunning, baffling, powerful. The gradual creeping up of the frequency and quantity of alcohol. And what it does to a person and apparent to everyone with the person involved. When it became no- noticeably to the point of comment, I devised ways of sneaking, sneaking drinks on the site. Rehearsals then became part of the pattern. Stopping at bars on the way to or from the place where drinks were to be served. Never having enough. Always craving more. The obsession for alcohol gradually began to dominate all my activities, particularly while traveling. Drink planning became more important than other plans. I tried the wagon on numerous occasions, but I always felt unhappy and abused. I tried psychiatry, but of course I gave psychiatrists no cooperation. I was living in a constant fear that I would get caught while driving a car, so I used taxis part of the time. Then I began to have blackouts, and that was constant worry. To wake up at home not knowing how I got there and to realize that I had driven my car became a torture. Not knowing where I had been or how I got home was making me desperate. It now became necessary to have noon drinks. At first just two, then gradually more. My hours of work were flexible, so that returning to the office was not always important. Then I became careless and returned sometimes when I shouldn't have. This worried me. The last two years of my drinking, my entire personality changed to a cynical, intolerant, and arrogant person, completely different from my normal life. It was at this stage of my life that my resentments came in, resenting anyone and everyone who might interfere with my personal plans and ways of doing things, especially for any interference with my drinking. I was a full self, self-pity. I will never know all the people I hurt, all the friends I abused, the humiliation of my family, the worry of my business associates, or how far-reaching it was. I continue to be surprised with people I met who say, You haven't had a drink for a long time, have you? The surprise to me is in fact that I didn't know that they knew my drinking had gotten out of control. That is where we are really fooled. We think we can drink to excess without anyone's knowing it. Everyone knows it. The only one we are fooling is ourselves. We rationalize and excuse our conduct beyond all reason. My wife and I had always encouraged our children to bring their friends home at any time. But after a few experiences with a drunken father, they eliminated home they eliminated home as a place to entertain friends. At the time this didn't mean much to me. I was too busy devising excuses to be out with drinking pals. It seemed to me my wife was becoming more intolerant and narrow-minded at all times. Whenever we went out, she appeared to go out of her way to keep me from having more than one drink. What alcoholic can be satisfied with one drink? After every cocktail party or dinner party, she would say she couldn't understand how I could get in such a drunken stupor on one drink. She of course didn't realize how cunning an alcoholic can be and the lens to which he will go in finding ways to satisfy the compulsion for more and more drinks after having had the first one. Neither did I. Finally our invitations became fewer and fewer as friends had more experience with my drinking pattern. 
Two years before I joined Alcoholic Anonymous, my wife took a long trip during which she wrote me she just couldn't return unless I did something about my drinking. It was a shock, of course, but I promised to stop and she returned. A year later, while we were on vacation trip, she packed up to go home because of my excessive drinking, and I talked her out of it with the promise I would go on the wagon for at least a year. I promised, but within two months, I began again. The following spring, she left me one day without giving me any idea of where she had gone, hoping this would bring me to my senses. In a few days, an attorney called me and explained that something would have to be done, and she couldn't face returning to me as I was. Again, I promised to do something about it. Broken promises, humiliation, hopelessness, worry, anxiety, but still not enough. There comes a time when you don't want to live and are afraid to die. Some crisis brings you to a point of deciding to do something about your drinking problem, to try anything, help you once continually rejected suggestions once turned aside are finally accepted in desperation. Final decision came when my daughter, following a drunk of mine that ruined my wife's birthday, said, it's Alcoholic Anonymous or else. Of course, this suggestion had been made before on a number of occasions. But like all alcoholics, I wanted to handle my problem my own way, which really meant I didn't want anything to interfere with my drinking. I was trying to find an easier, softer way, but now it it become difficult to visualize a life without alcohol. However, my low had been reached. I realized I had never gone going down and down. I was unhappy myself, and I had brought my unhappiness to all who cared for me. Physically, I couldn't take it anymore. Cold sweats, jumpy nerves, lack of sleep were becoming intolerable. Mentally, the fears and tensions... The complete change in attitude and outlook bewildered me. This was no way to live. The time for a decision had arrived, and it was a relief to say yes. My family said they could, they would call Alcoholic Anonymous for me. A relief even though I dreaded it, feeling that this was the end of everything. Early the next morning, a man whose name I knew, well, a lawyer, called on me. Within 30 minutes, I knew Alcoholic Anonymous was the answer for me. We visited most of the day and attended a meeting that night. I don't know what I expected, but I most certainly didn't visualize a group of people talking about their drinking problems, making light of their personal tragedies, and at the same time enjoying themselves. However, after I heard a few stories of jails, sanitariums, broken homes, and skid row, I wonder if I really was an alcoholic. After all, I hadn't started to drink early in life. So I had some stability and maturity to guide me for a while. My responsibilities had been a restraining influence. I had no brushes with the law, though I should have had many. I had not yet lost my job or family, even though both were on the verge of going. My financial standing had not been impaired. Could I be an alcoholic with some of the hair-raising experiences? I had heard of an in meetings the answer came to me very simply in the first step of the 12 steps of alcoholic anonymous we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable 
This didn't say we had to be in jail 10, 50, or 100 times. It didn't say I had to lose 1, 5, 10 jobs. It didn't say I had to lose my family. It didn't say I had to finally live on skid row and drink bay, bay, bay rum, can heat, or lemon extract. It didn't say I admitted I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable. It did say I admitted I was a powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unimaginable. Most certainly, I was powerless over alcohol. And for me, my life had become unimaginable. It wasn't how far I had gone, but where I was headed. It was important to me to see what alcohol had done to me and what continued to do if I didn't have help. At first, it was a shock to realize I was an alcoholic. But the realization that there was hope made it easier. The baffling problem of getting drunk when I had every intention of staying sober was simplified. It was great relief to know I didn't have to drink anymore. I was told that I must want sobriety for my own sake and I am convinced this is true. There may be many reasons that bring one to Alcoholic Anonymous for the first time. But the lasting one must be to want sobriety and the Alcoholic Anonymous way of living for oneself. From the start, I liked everything about the Alcoholic Anonymous program. I liked the description of alcoholic as in a person who has found the alcohol is interfering with his social or business life. The allergy idea I could ha understand because I'm allergic to certain pollens. Some of my family are allergic to certain foods. What could be more reasonable than some people including myself, were allergic to alcohol. The explanation that alcoholism was a disease of a twofold nature, an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, cleared up a number of puzzling questions for me. The allergy we could do nothing about, somehow our bodies had reached the point where we could no longer absorb alcohol in our system. The why is not important. The fact is that one drink will set up a reaction in our system that requires more. That one drink is too much and a hundred drinks are not enough. The obsession of the mind was a little harder to understand. And yet everyone has a session of various kinds. The alcoholic has them, has them to an exaggerated degree. Over a period of time he has built up self-pity and resentments toward anyone or anything that interferes with his drinking. This honest thinking prejudges ego antagonism toward anyone and everyone who dares to cross him. Vanity and a critical attitude are character defects that gradually creep in and become part of his life. Living with fear and tension inevitably results in wanting to ease the tension. With alcohol seems to do which alcohol seems to do temporarily. It took me some time to realize that 12 steps of AA were designed to help correct these defects of character. So help me remove a session to drink. 12 steps which to me are a spiritual way of living. So men honest thinking. Not wishful thinking. Open mindedness. Willingness to try. And a faith to accept. They made, meant patience. Tolerance. Humility. And above all, the belief that a power greater than myself could help. The power I chose to call God.
a willingness to do whatever I was told to do simplified the program for me. Study the AA book, don't just read it. They told me to go to meetings, and I still do at available opportunity, whether I am at home or in some other city. Attending meetings has never been a chore to me, nor have I attended them with a feeling of just doing my duty. Meetings are both relaxing and refreshing to me after a hard day. They said get active, so I helped whenever I could and still do. Spiritual experience to me meant attending meetings and seeing a group of people out there for the purpose of helping each other. Hearing the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, read at a meeting and hearing the Lord's Prayer, which is AA meeting has such great meaning. Thy will be done, not mine. Spiritual awakening soon came to mean trying each day to be a little more thoughtful, more considerate, a little more courteous to those with whom I came in contact. To most of us, making amends will take the rest of our lives, but we can start immediately. Just being sober will be making amends to many we have hurt by our drunken actions. Making amends is sometimes doing what we are capable of doing but fail to do because of alcohol. Carrying out community responsibilities such as community funds, Red Cross, educational and religious activity in proportion to our abilities and energy. I was desperately in earnest to follow through and understand what was expected of me as a member of AA. And to take each step of 12 as rapidly as possible to me, this meant telling my associates that I had joined Alcoholic Anonymous, that I didn't know what was expected of me by AA, but that whatever it was, it was the most important thing in life for me. The sobriety meant more to me than anything in this world. It was so important that it must come ahead of anything. There are many short phrases and expressions in the AA that make sound sense. First things first. Solve our immediate problems before we try to solve all others and get modeled in our thinking and doing. Get modeled in our thinking and doing. Easy does it. Relax a little. Try for inner contentment. No one individual can carry all the burdens of the world. Everyone has problems. Getting drunk won't solve them. 24 hours a day. Today is a day. Doing our best. Living each day to the fullest is the art of living. Yesterday is gone and we don't know whether we will be here tomorrow. If we do a good job of living today and if tomorrow comes for us, then the chances are we'll do a good job when it arrives. So why worry about it? The AA way of life is a way we always should have tried to live. Grant us the serenity, the serenity to accept things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. These thoughts become part of our daily lives. They are not ideas of resignation, but of recognition of certain basic facts of living. The fact that AA is a spiritual program didn't scare me of or raise any prejudices in my mind. I couldn't afford the luxury of prejudges. I had tried my way and had failed. When I joined AA, I did so for sole purpose of getting sober and staying sober. I didn't realize I would find so much more, but a new and different outlook on life started opening up almost immediately. Each day seems to be so much more productive and satisfying. 
I get so much more enjoyment out of living. I find inner pressure, pleasure in simple things. Living just for today in a pleasant adventure. Above all, I am grateful to AA for my sobriety, which means so much to my family, friends, business associates, because God and AA were able to do for me something I was unable to do for myself. And that is, it might have been worse. Safe Haven uh, from the big book. This is part two from the short stories. Safe Haven. This is AA found that the process of discovering who he really was began with knowing who he didn't want to be. Prison. What a wonderful life it is. Here I am, sitting in a cell, waiting for my hot pot to heat up so I can have a cup of instant coffee and reminisce. As I ponder my current circumstance, I reflect on the undeniable fact that I am well enough my fourth year of incarceration. I still wake up some mornings wishing it were all all a bad dream. I didn't grow up in a home that I used alcohol, but when I took my first drink at the age of 13, I knew I would drink again. Being raised in a home founded on high moral standards didn't seem to instill any fear of consequences. Once I took a drink of booze, sometimes as I rode my bicycle around the neighborhood, I would spy a grown-up in his yard drinking beer. Returning later when I knew he was not at home, I would break into his home to steal the golden beverage from the refrigerator. I recall too well the morning from another guy, and I stole my dad's credit card and pickup truck so we could run off to California to become movie stars. We had a pistol. So we could rub stores when the time came to stock up on beer, cash, and cigarettes. Before the first day of travels was over, however, I told my friend I couldn't go on any longer and needed to return home. I knew my mom and dad were climbing the walls with worry by now. My friend refused to turn back, so I led him out of the truck. I never saw him again. My parents may have recognized my behavior as some serious adolescent rebellion. But they had no idea it was fueled by the disease of alcoholism. At age 16, I got a part-time job as a disc jockey for a local radio station. Those in a new position to know observed that I had a knack for this kind of work, so I dropped out of high school and started spinning records for full-time. Drinking and partying went hand-in-hand with this job. Soon a pattern began that lasted for many years. When the alcoholism became obvious to my employers and began to affect my job performance, I would simply resign and seek employment with another broadcasting company. I recall one day when I was doing a midday show, I realized that I could not go another minute without a drink. I put on an album and quietly walked out of the radio station unnoticed. I drove to a liquor store and bought a bottle of whiskey, got back in my car, turned on the radio and started drinking. As I sat there listening to song after song, the album eventually came to an end and all you could hear was a needle scratching against the turntable. Someone at the station finally realized I was no longer in the control room and put another record. During my years in the broadcast industry, I worked from time to time as a radio storm chaser. It was my job to use radar information to follow the storm and spot tornadoes, hail, flooding, and storm-related hazards or damage. 
I would then use a cellular phone in my vehicle to give live reports over the radio while chasing storm. One night the storm was extremely turbulent. Our listening audience was larger than ever as I gave my live report, sounding if I were on the front lines of a war zone. The following day, a newspaper honored our station with a nice article about professional job we did on the weather coverage. But what no one knew was that all of those professional storm reports were called in from the safety of my back patio as I had lived a little better with each fresh glass of bourbon and Coca-Cola. Periodically, I worked as a broadcast journalist and reported many news stories on location. I rarely drank on my job and was frequently loaded when calls came in about alcohol-related automobile accidents. There I was with my microphone in one hand and a flask in the other as I jumped into the news van and rushed to the scene of the accident, just as drunk as for more so than the one who had caused it. It was inevitable that I would one day become the news. Rather than just report it by causing a serious accident as a result of my drinking, I had experienced run-ins with the law several times for not paying fines, public intoxication, fighting, and driving while intoxicated, but nothing could compare with the time the police asked me to come under, to come downtown for questioning concerning a murder. I had been drinking the night before and had gotten involved in a dangerous incident. I knew I hadn't committed murder, but here I was considered a prime suspect. An hour or two into questioning, it was a determined that I had not committed the crime as I was released. This was quite enough to get my full attention though. I went home and called a friend I had seen at the local mall a week earlier. I hadn't talked to her for a couple of years, but I had noticed how different she looked and behaved. As we spoke, she said she hadn't had a drink for over a year. She told me about a group of friends who were helping her stay sober. I lied to her and claimed that I hadn't had a drink myself for quite some time. I don't think she believed me, but she gave me her phone number and encouraged me to call if I would like to meet her friends. Later, when I worked up the nerve to call her, I admitted that I had a drinking problem and wanted to stop. She picked me up and took me to my first AA meeting. In Alcoholic Anonymous, I knew I had found a protected haven. But during the, the ensuing four and a half years, I fell into the category known in AA parlance as a chronic slipper. I might get a good six months of sobriety under my belt, but then I would get a bottle to celebrate. I did all the things that were suggested for me not to do. Within my first year around AA, I made some major decisions, like getting married, renting the most expensive apartment I could find, not using my sponsor, avoiding the steps, hanging around old haunts with my old drinking pals, and talking more than listening during meetings. In short, I wasn't responding to the miracle of AA. My disease progressed and I became regular patient in detox hospitals, intensive care units, and treatment centers. Permanent in intensive insanity was drawing near and the gates of death were in view. There is a saying that alcoholics, alcoholics either get sober, up, locked up, or covered up. Since I was not 
genuinely willing to do what it took to get sobered up, I had the other options to face. I never dreamed it would have happened so quickly. It was a beautiful September weekend, just before Labor Day. I made a decision to buy a case of beer and bottle of wine. Later in the evening, I drank whiskey on top of the beer and wine. Blacked out, committed a drunken crime, was arrested, and within 10 days convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison. I guess an alcoholic death came, can come into much in the same way. I drink, I black out, I die. At least with prison, I would have another chance at life somewhere down the line. I can't start to describe the forced humility that is placed upon an alcoholic who comes to prison. Although I deserved to be in prison, the trauma was horrible. The only encouragement and hope I was able to find was from reading the personal stories in the back of the tattered big book I found in my cell. Then one day I heard something that was music to my ears. A correctional officer announced that an AA meeting was to be held in the chapel. When I walked into the meeting, I took the seat into the circle of chairs where I was once again found a protected haven. As I penned this story, three years and a half have passed since that meeting in the chapel. I moved to a larger prison unit and have remained act very active in the awesome program of Alcoholic Anonymous. AA has accomplished so many things in my life today. It has given me my insanity and all-around sense of balance. Now, willing to listen and take suggestions, I have found that the process of discovering who I really am begins with knowing who I really don't want to be. And although the disease of alcoholism inside of me is like a gravity just waiting to pull me down, AA and the 12 steps are like the power that causes an airplane to become airborne. It only works when the pilot is doing the right things to make it work. So as I have worked the program and I have grown emotionally and intellectually, I not only have peace with God, I have the peace of God through an active God consciousness. I have not only recovered from alcoholism, I have become the whole in person, body, spirit, and soul. I've had one God thing after another happened to me since submitting myself to the principles of AA. The trial officials who convicted me and the victims of my crime have all decided to support my early release from prison. Coincidence? I think not. I received letters from former employees who have heard of my sobriety and have offered me employment again in the radio industry. These are just samples of God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. One of the things I have committed to do in return for God's grace is to immediately become active in a correctional committee upon my release. Bringing the AA message back into jails and prison is extremely important to me and my own sobriety today. From experience, I've realized that I cannot go back and make a brand new start. But through AA, I can start from now and make a brand new end. Physician, heal thyself. From the big book of Alcoholic Anonymous. Psychiatrist and surgeon, he had lost his way until he realized that God, not he, was a great healer. I'm a physician, licensed to practice in a western state. I'm also an alcoholic. In two ways, I may be a little different from other alcoholics. First, we all here at 8A meetings 
about those who have lost everything, those who have been in jail, those who have been in prison, those who have lost their families, those who have lost their income. I've never lost any of it. I never lost, I never was a skid row. I made more money in the last year of my drinking than I made in my whole life. My wife never hinted that she would leave me. Everything that I touched from grammar school on was successful. I was president of my grammar school, student body. I was president of all the classes in high school. And in my last year, I was president of that student body. I was president of each class in the university. A president of that student body, I was voted the man most likely to succeed. The same thing occurred in medical school. I belong to more medical societies and honor societies than men 10 to 20 years my senior. Mine was a skid row of success. The physical skid row in any city is miserable. The skid row of success is just as miserable. The second way in which perhaps I differ from some of the other alcoholics is this many alcoholics state that they don't particularly like this taste of alcohol, that they like the effect. I loved alcohol. I used to like it to get it into my fingers so I could lick them and get another taste. I had a lot of fun drinking. I enjoyed it immensely. Then one ill fine day, one day that I can't recall, I stepped across the line, the alcoholics know so well and from that day on drinking was miserable when a few drinks made me feel good before i went over the line those same drinks no made me wretched in an attempt to get over that feeling there was a great onslaught of a greater number of drinks and then well all was lost alcohol failed to serve the purpose on the last day i was drinking i went up to see a friend who had had good deal of trouble with alcohol and was a wife had left him a number of times. He had come back, however, and he was a proud program. My stupid way, I went out to see him with the idea in the back of my mind that I would investigate Alcoholic Anonymous from a medical standpoint. Deep in my heart was a feeling that maybe I could get some help here. This friend gave me a pamphlet and I took it home and my wife read it to me. There were two sentences and it struck me. One said, don't feel that you are a martyr because you stopped drinking. And this hit me between the eyes. The second one said, don't feel that you stopped drinking for anyone other than yourself. And this hit me between the eyes. After my wife had read this to me, I said to her, as I said many times in desperation, I had had got to do something. She's a good-natured soul, and I said I wouldn't worry about it. Probably will happen. And then we went up to the side of the hill where we have a little barbecue area to make the fire for the barbecue. And on the way up, I thought of myself, I'll go back down to the kitchen and refill the drink. And just then something did happen. A thought came to me. This is the last one. I was well in the second, fifth, by this time, and as that thought came to me, it was as though someone had reached down and taken a heavy overcoat off my shoulders. For that was the last one. About two days later, I was called a friend of mine from Nevada City. 
He's a brother of wife's closest friend. He said, Earl. And I said, yes. He said, I'm an alcoholic. What do I do? And I gave him some idea of what you do. So I made my first 12-step call before I even came into the program. The satisfaction I got from him, from giving him a little of what I had read in those pamphlets, far surpassed any feeling that I've ever had before in helping patients. So I decided that I would go to my first meeting. I was introduced as a psychiatrist. I belong to the American Psychiatry Psychiatric Society. But I don't practice psychiatry as such. I'm a surgeon. Someone in AA said to me once upon a time, there's nothing worse than a confused psychiatrist. I would never forget the first meeting I attended. There were five people present, including me. One end of the table sat our community butcher. At the other side, of the table sat one of the carpenters in our community and at the further end of the table sat the other man who ran the bakery while on one side sat one of my friend who was a mechanic I recall as I walked into the meeting saying to myself here I am a fellow of the American College of Surgeons a fellow of International College of Surgeons a diplomat of one of the great specialty boards in these United States a member of American Psychiatric Society and I have to go to the butcher, the baker, and the carpenter to help make men out of me. Something else happened to me. There was such a new thought. I got sorts of books on the higher powers and I put a Bible by my bedside. And I put a Bible in my car. It is still there. And I put a Bible in my locker at a hospital. And I put a Bible in my desk. And I put a bi big book by my nightstand. And I put 12 steps and 12 editions in my locker at the hospital. And I got books by Evan Fox. And I got books by God Knows Who. And I got to reading all these things. And the first thing you know, I was lifted right up the AA group. And I floated higher and higher and even higher until I was way up on a pink cloud, which I know a pink seven. I felt miserable again, so I thought to myself, I must just as well be drunk because I feel like this. And one of Clark, the community butcher, and he said, Clark, What's the matter with me? I don't feel right. I have been on this program for three months and I feel terrible. And he said, Earl, why don't you come on over and let me talk to you for a minute. So he got me a cup of coffee, piece of cake, and sat down and said, why there's nothing wrong with you. You've been sober for three months. Been working hard. You've been doing all right. But then he said, let me say something to you. We have fear the community this community and organization that helps people and this organization is known as an alcoholic anonymous why don't you join it i said what do you think i've been doing well he said you've been sober but you've been floating up way up in the cloud somewhere why don't you go home get the big book and open it up on page 58 and see what it says so i did I got the big book, I read it, and this is what I said. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed a path. The word thoroughly rang a bell, and then it went on to say half measures fail us nothing. We stood at a turning point, 
in the last sentence was, we ask his protection and care with his complete abandon. Complete abandon, half measures, avail us nothing. Thoroughly followed our path, completely give themselves to this simple program. Rang it swell head. Years earlier, I had gone into a psychoanalysis to get relief. I spent five and a half years in the psychoanalysis and proceeded to become a drunk. I don't mean that in any sense of the regulatory statement about psychotherapy is a great tool not to be potent, but a great tool I would do it again. I tried every gimmick that there is to be some peace of mind, but it was nothing I brought to a group in my community that would butcher the baker and the carpenter and the mechanic who were able to give me the 12 steps. I was finally given the semblance of the answer to the last half of the first step. So I've taken the first half of the first step and very gingerly admitting myself to the alcoholic anonymous. Something happened and then I thought to myself, imagine an alcoholic admitting anything. And I made my admission just the same. Third step made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God and understand Him. Now they asked me to make a decision. We've got to turn the whole business over to some joker we can't even see. And this chokes the alcoholic here. He is powerless and manageable in the grip of something bigger than he is. And he's got to turn the whole business over to someone else. It feels the alcoholic with rage. We are great people. We can handle anything. So no one to thinking to oneself, who is this God? Who is this fellow? We're supposed to turn everything over to. What can he do for us that we can't do for ourselves? Well, I don't know who he is, but I got my own idea. For myself, I have absolute proof of the existence of God. I was sitting in my office one time after I have operated a woman. It took me a long hour. Four to five hour operation, a large surgical procedure, and she was on her ninth or tenth post operative ID. She was doing fine. She was up and around, and then the day her husband phoned me and said, Doctor, thanks very much for curing my wife. Thank him for his felicitations, and he hung up. Then I scratched my head and said to myself, What a fantastic thing for a man to say that I cured his wife. Here I'm down on my office behind my desk. And there she is out of the hospital. I'm not even there. And if she, if I was there, the only thing I can do would be to give her moral support. And yet, he thanks me for curing his wife. I thought to myself, what is curing the woman? Yes, I put in those art stitches. The great boss has given me diagnostic and surgical talent. And he has loaned it to me to use the rest of my life. It doesn't belong to me. He has loaned it to me and I did my job. But that ended nine days ago. That healed those tissues I closed, I didn't. This to me the proof that existence of something that's greater than I am. I couldn't practice medicine without a great physician. All I do is very simple ways to help him cure my patients. Shortly after, I was starting to work on a program. I realized that I was not a good father. I wasn't a good husband, but oh, I was a good provider. I never robbed my family of anything. 
I gave them everything except the greatest thing in the world, and that is peace of mind. So I went to my wife and asked her if there was, wasn't something that she and I could do to do somehow get better. And she turned on her heel and looked at me squarely in the eye and said, You don't care anything about my problem. I could have smacked her, but I said to myself, Grab on to your serenity. She left and I sat down and crossed my hands and looked up and said, For God's sake, help me. And then a silly, simple thought came to me. I didn't know anything about being a father. I didn't know how to do, come home and work weekends like other husbands. I didn't know how to entertain my family, but I remember that every night after dinner, my wife would get up and do the dishes. Why well, I could do the dishes. So I went to her and said, there's only one thing I want in my whole life, and I don't want any com commendation. I don't want any credit. I don't want anything from you or Janie. For the rest of your life except one thing and that is the opportunity to do anything you want always and i would like to start off by doing the dishes and now i'm doing the darn dishes every night doctors have been notoriously unsuccessful in helping alcoholics they have been they have contributed fantastic amount of time and work to our problem but they have aren't able it seems to arrest either young or your alcoholism or mine and the clergy have tried hard to help us but we haven't been helped the psychiatrist has had thousands of coaches and has put you and put me them many many times but he hasn't helped us very much though he has tried hard and we owe the clergy and the doctor and the psychiatrist a deep debt of gratitude they haven't helped our alcoholism except in a rare few instances. But Alcoholic Anonymous has helped. Why is this power the AA possesses? This curative power, I don't know what it is. I suppose a doctor might say, this is psychosomatic medicine. I suppose a psychiatrist might say, this is benevolent interpersonal relations. I suppose others would say this is a group psychotherapy. To me, it is God. What is an Alcoholic Anonymous? Is it a criminal? How about a mental patient? Or maybe a wanderer in this world where so many rules exist? Someone who is lost in figuring out his or her existence? Perhaps a dissolution professional who is still figuring out his or her purpose? Even better, someone who is ashamed of our government and the corruption and the system we live in. Nevertheless, at the end, an alcoholic anonymous is a normal human being who possibly has made several bad decisions in his or her life and is looking now for correction. Who decides you're an alcoholic? Well, sometimes, it is a battle between the judicial system, politics, and recognizing your own disease to rectify what is distracting your life goals. Still, some AA members go through traumatic events and struggles with legal, financial, health, and emotional distress. These events make the AA member feel the pain of suffering, where sometimes just AA members outgrow them, but others never break the depressed, anxious mode. Let us begin narrating how pain gets there and could stay for an AA member's cycle only if you let it. 
This is entirely a freestyle writing based on my sole opinion, unbiased and just focusing on the AA lifts and drags. When I moved from New York City, becoming an outsider in California, it was difficult enough for me having to accept becoming a convict and completing my house arrest sentence. Fighting my DUI case for over a year and almost facing jail since I didn't want the earlier pleas the ADA offer was stressful enough. At times I feel that this is not my purpose. Coming here to face a sentencing and becoming an alcoholic anonymous, being arrested for a motor vehicle accident, and now having a criminal record with DUI allows a negative thought, dark focus on our legal system, including but not the least the law enforcement's judgment. However, if I let my anger be driven by what the cop wrote in my charges days after I was arrested, since we had an argument the night of the arrest, I can never let go of the negative effect or the vibe it could bring to always Satan. I try to see the lighter path by not fighting it anymore, accepting a setback, and analyzing what needs to get fixed within me to never fail, fall back again in life. There are good cops too, unbiased, not driven by a night of arguments, like there are cops who have loved ones caring for them and out there in the streets defending the innocent lives. At the same time, I will try to get the best out of this lesson by learning the 12 steps, DUI classes, already completed beginners, exec executing currently the 30 month and starting more, studying more the legislation in California's government. I have never carried the weight of waking up and facing the reality of having charges and being a convicted felon. However, how can I battle the self-destructive meaning of seeing myself as a criminal? Let us say AA has eased that pain inside my heart and head without wondering. Results are what we make, not the problems we try to entertain the thought of having death and failure close to you. To align yourself to the right path and see the bright side of being an alcoholic anonymous changes the need to occur in healing the process. What sort of mess can be self-destructive? Well, my story started one night of poor choices by drinking and driving, possibly causing the car accident. The negative effect that carries within the added incident can be not only judicial, but swings that carry emotional, physical, and mental burden. I do recognize that I'm, all, I'm accountable for my actions, and perhaps things could have turned for the worst. Me in jail, locked up, killing myself in the car accident, or being involved in a car accident when someone's life could have been taken. But by the grace of God, that did not happen. An alcoholic. What is an alcoholic or an alcoholic anonymous? Is it a criminal? How about it being a mental patient? Or maybe a wanderer in this world where so many rules exist. Someone who is lost in figuring out his or her existence. Perhaps a dissolution professional who is still figuring out his or her purpose. Even better, 
someone who is ashamed of our government and the corruption in the system we live in. Nevertheless, at the end, an alcoholic anonymous is a normal human being who possibly has had several bad decisions in his, her life and is looking now for correction. Who decides you are an alcoholic? Well, sometimes it is a battle between the judicial system and recognizing your own disease to rectify what is distracting your life goals. Still, some AMA members, Alcoholic Anonymous members, go through traumatic events and struggles with legal, financial, health, and emotional distress. These events make an AA member feel the pain of suffering where sometimes just some AA members outgrow them, but others never break the depressed, anxious mode. Let us begin narrating how pains get there, and if you let it, could stay for an AA member's lifestyle. This is an entirely freestyle writing based on my sole opinion, unbiased, and just focusing on the AA lifts, drags, and flights. When I moved from New York City, becoming an outsider in California was difficult enough for me, having to accept becoming a convict and completing my house arrest sentence. Was stressful enough fighting my DUI case for over a year and almost facing jail, since I did not accept the earlier pleas from the DA. At times, I feel that this is not my purpose, coming here to face a sentencing, becoming an alcoholic anonymous, However, if I let my anger get driven by what the cop wrote in my charges days after I was arrested, since we had an argument the night of the arrest, I could never let go of the negative effect or vibe I could bring to always hate him. I try to see the lighter path by not fighting anymore, accepting a setback, and analyzing what needs to get fixed within me to never fall back down in life again. There are good cops too and unbiased, not driven by a night of arguments like the, there are cops who have loved ones caring for them and are out there in the streets defending the innocent lives. At the same time, I will try to get the best out of this lesson by learning the 12 steps, DUI classes, completed the beginners, now executing the 30 month and studying more the legislation in California's government. I have never carried the weight of waking up and facing the reality of having charges and being a convicted felon. However, how can I battle the self-destructive mean of seeing myself as a criminal? Let us say AA has eased the pain inside my heart and head without wondering. Results are what we make, not the problems we try to entertain the thought of having failure and death close to you. To align yourself to the right path and see what the bright side of being an alcoholic, changes need to occur, and an attitude of motivation and process of healing happens. What sort of mess can be self-destructive? Well, my story started one night of pure choices by driving and, uh, dry, drinking and driving, possibly causing a car accident and losing my self-respect. I was rejected from a job promotion during the night of my incident. And was just feeling sorry for myself for I lost my dream for coming to California. The negative effects that carry within that DUI incident were not only the worst than not having that job promotion, but having the judicial burden and swings that carry emotional embarrassment 
physical and mental shame. I do recognize I am accountable for my actions and that perhaps things could have turned for the worst. Me in jail locked out without seeing my loved ones and friends, killing myself in the car accident for no reason or being involved in a car accident where someone's life could have been taken. But by the grace of God, this did not happen. I had a demotion giving a chance to be promoted back in life. For me, being a DU in a DUI program was like pulling heaven down. Therefore, AA meetings, including the fellowship, was hard at the beginning to accept because it looked like a defeat and no hope at all. As I got acquainted and surrendered their will to fight, what was done in the past, I stopped pushing the pride, fear, and anger. Having a sponsor and being sober has made it easier and official for me to be an AA member. Being an AA member can be punishment given by the court, but also seen as a blessing if you let it by having a way of life to grow mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually effectively. I say mentally has helped me because now I can see how I feel the day after drinking. My don't By me knowing... I do not want to go back there again. Feeling depressed or anxious the day after drinking makes it easier to carry the disease of quenching the thirst if you have the same allergy as I had. Moreover, these symptoms, symptoms carry phobia, collision, and despair in the human brain where you only follow a darker path, not the cure itself to stop drinking, but also causing accidents. What I have learned as an AA is that by being a more than 200 days sober, I have reacquired better coping skills that I had left in my past, like exercising, cooking, reading, writing, being of service to others, and talking more to the people I care for. Therefore, the memory of seeing myself drinking makes me not want to have that lifestyle for me ever again. Being part of an AA fellowship has helped me emotionally by sharing my experience and not feeling alone here in California. Having family members outside California, if you let it, the AA members can become family members by giving you the support you need. Physically, without alcohol, as an AA member, I feel healthier by not feeling bloated or getting sick so often by having a weakened immune system. Spiritually, the AA book has helped me by not being codependent on alcohol for resentments, guilt, and fears. Just waiting it out, being patient by surrendering to a higher power, which is our hope and is the better will. Shaking memories and seeing blue skies make your heart and head feel cleaner by being an AM member. The sight of me accepting humbleness as an AM member and seeing my character of defects, steps six and seven, has opened my eyes not to see all AM members as drug users or drug dealers. We AA members are all human beings who deserve a chance to live and exploit our potential for the society we live in. Yes, if we let it, for most of us as AA members, it will become harder to be back in the workforce because of society norms. However, there are ways to recuperate while in recovery. I do not want to elaborate how the 12 steps work, but if you build who you're meant to be, and what it is in for your path, 
there can be a series of people in AA, criminals, mental patients, lawyers, engineers, doctors, hard labor workers, factory workers, secretaries, mentors, coaches, moms, dads, uncles, aunts, cousins, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, and loved ones. AA is a group by men and women who are in recovery from alcoholism. Through this fellowship, men and women gather to talk and reflect upon experiences. There's a mutual respect within AA members, notwithstanding no religions and sexual demeanors to any AA member. By being part of an AA group, you want to stop drinking and follow the recovery program. To stay as an AA member, you will need to have the willpower by not giving up on the disease of alcoholism. For some, takes it takes more time and effort than others, depending how sick your allergy is around alcohol. Mentally can be a challenge enduring so many meetings if you have to, to stop drinking in order to achieve recovery. However, wanting the same goal, the will to stop drinking, is what defines us as AA members. The sickness of drinking can hold you mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually accountable to a dark lifestyle when you or someone else gets hurt by alcohol. Thus, it's important for an alcoholic to achieve the compromise that the program and recovery cannot be done alone. The fellowship and guidance from other peers is through the strength that recovers sobriety and beats the illness. For some of us, can be fatal and loneliness overcomes the anguish. That's why you see so many AA members in despair, why they relapse or simply call themselves AA members to be coping with meetings. However, they never stop drinking. Yes, you see a lot of fake AA members and others there who want just positions or recognitions instead of having the will to change and fight for the cause of being sober again. I have also noticed some AA members or visitors sit there just to hear people's trouble who suffer from inside pain and difficulties, including alcoholism just to make themselves feel better. I say this because comparing themselves with other AA members suffering, this is not what I exactly sign up for Misery Loves Company. At the same time, I see AA members preaching, putting rules like in church, monastery, and temples. This one mainly has to do because of fanaticism of religions. I see fanaticism a lot in Christian and Catholic religion where they deviate from the study of the big book topics. Even when sharing experiences, they forget the 12 traditions. Some illustrated AA members, Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, Brené Brown, among other professional loved ones and family members. The purpose of an AA is to carry the message to all those who suffer from alcoholism, mentor, coach the ones who are interested without promoting but attracting the message. Nonetheless, good behaviors and service to those in need be sought in order to change the lifestyle and heal the soul. I'm not saying it is not good to look back because we must reflect on the lessons learned in order to move forward. And at the same time, these challenges and struggles we go through as AA members make us stronger in life.
In addition for me, it was a slap in the face to wake me up. Moreover, know how the world is aligned and humble my character. Inclusive of being hypnotized to a world of stigmas for the AA members. Wherever you are and where you are, there's a meaning for you. To become what you want. If it means being an AA member all your life, then time will tell and be far from the pain and suffering we love to have. In our minds and emotional behavior, which sometimes causes chaos and fires to our health, by being an alcoholic, some of us have to fall harder than others to see what is in front of you and paint the memory so it lasts to be awake. Edgar Alcoholic Anonymous.